Good morning, Sarah Hepla. Good morning, Nancy Rommelman. You you want to tell everybody about my beach hair? Yeah, you look like you've just been effed um, by a beach. There we go. <laughs> so you look I am- like you just woke up from a morning caress with some... Uh, waves with the Pacific Ocean. Well, with the Pacific Ocean, yeah. I did wake up um, down here in Redondo Beach and woke up, and you just opened your door. We're like literally right on the water, and all the like, all those you know, seventeen-year-old boys on their bicycles with their surfboards under their arms, and um, and I, I no, was not, not that I would notice. They, no, 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 me neither. Not when no. I was walking out to get some coffee. Um, but it's pretty sweet. I gotta say, you 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 walk at her and you're like, yeah, I can understand why people are like, why don't why don't I live here? It's pretty it's pretty sweet. Yeah, totally. But say. your hair gets messed up. My hair, hair is my hair is like out of control in California. It's the largest argument against my moving to California <laughs> that I can make is what it does to my hair. So uh, Diane von Fustenberg, who she had this like great book came out in the seventies like about beauty. It's actually like this really cool looking book. I have a copy of it somewhere, and uh, she has a chapter called. Brazil with my hair? Never. <laughs> That's the whole chapter. <laughs> so it was funny. Um, yeah, it's 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 nice out here and getting some good stuff done and reading some good work. And um, let's say thank you to all our um, our paid subscribers for our lovely Zoom the other night. That was really, um, it was a pleasure. And also since I was going through something a little bit hard, I, I felt really ministered to. So thank you. Thank you, everybody who showed up for the um, first Sunday Zoom. And, and please join us next time if you haven't. If you're a paid subscriber, we, we send the link and uh, we hang out for a while. Talk about stuff. So. Nancy, we have some corrections. We've made mistakes. Can you believe it? <gasps> I, mm, Yeah, I can actually. Yeah. Go for it. Well, the first one is a big one. Oh, boy. I have been out here making the claim that my mother is 82 years old. My mother is 78 years old. Oh, girl, who corrected you? My mother. <laughs> My mother's like, actually, this this mistake popped up in a series of things. Like I had a story in Texas Monthly where I called her 82 and I had to go back and tell the fact checkers, like, I have screwed up my mother's own age. Um and uh I I just have been mouthing. My dad is 82 years old. So in fairness, you know, but I mean, like, I'm lucky she's not going to sue. This is big. Yeah, that's defamation, baby. It it really is. Yeah. Slander, defamation. I've got it in all print and all mediums. Yeah. Um, In our, uh, this this is a little bit late, but in our um, interview with uh, British... Uh, reporter Nick Wallace, I repeatedly referred to the Law and Crime channel as the Law and Order channel. Well, that makes sense. To be fair, there should be a Law and Order channel. Yeah. Uh, maybe there is. I mean, there basically is. It's called, like, Basic Cable. <laughs> um, I also referred to his book, Depp v. Heard, The Untold... I'm sorry, The Unreal Story. As Depp V. Heard, The Untold Story. And Nick is so gracious that he just didn't even correct me. Yeah. The Brits. The Brits. Yeah. They, they, they will just, they're so charming. They don't, they can't, you know, he could have really schooled me on that one. And he just let me go. I was just on a riff and he just let me have it. I think I did see yesterday too, he tweeted that um, it, it was The Week had written about it. 
and called it like their number one book of the week. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Congratulations, Nick. Yeah. Deserved. Um, he lived through our mangling of the facts of that story. Um, what's going on? What mistakes can we make this week? Oh, I'm sure there's going to be many. Um, uh, but yeah, well, it, that's funny that you actually teed it up this way. And I'm actually going to kind of open up um, what we're going to talk about a little bit with a... Uh, hmm. Okay. Drum roll. Yeah, oh my drum gosh. Roll, Narrative please, tension. Right? Yeah. What's it's only eight o'clock in the morning here and I'm trying to be smart. It's destined to be a disaster. Um, so we all, I think we all know that, you know, when Trump was the nominee back in 2015, people definitely started to lose their minds and they've continued to lose their minds. And I think that that anger and that um, that energy that we or they or people got from feeling tribal and feeling like we were warring against the, the you know, we were the right people, they were the wrong people. Whatever side you were on, you know, it became this 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 war. And I, I compare this, I think we still live with the after effects of that. And I'm going to compare that to COVID, at least in my case, COVID, the bitch mother that is COVID. The bitch mother that bitch is mother COVID. That is COVID. Um, I believe Good. that she has left markers. I do. And I say yeah. this just um, for myself. I'm someone that never got sick very often. Like once every couple of years, I'd get a cold for a day and a half and then I'd be better. I now, like every six weeks, I have a sore throat. Like some, I'm sneezing. And it, it, I really think that... Um, COVID kicked us around and it left markers. As did, How do you know it wasn't the vaccine? Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, Sarah, wow. We're going to just, this podcast has just I'm, changed its trajectory. I'm working we are, on we, my <laughs> paranoid conservative streak. <laughs> um, but there are a couple of articles that we were both reading and, and talking about that seem to me to have been inspired by the markers that were left by, um, really by Trumpism, I think. And and one was an article uh, that appeared earlier in the week or last week in The Atlantic um, by Tim Alberta, a very, very good writer. Um, he was giving a lot of access to uh, Chris Licht, who was named the chief executive of CNN last spring. The name of the piece is Inside the Meltdown at CNN. So... This is something like a fifteen thousand word article. I'm going to admit, oh I didn't. My gosh, I didn't get to the end of it. Um, but I didn't get to the beginning of you it. You didn't get to the beginning of it, so I'll, I'll just you know. Get, so apparently, when you say the meltdown at CNN, this is internal, right? These are this is something that's happening inside the building. There's a meltdown now. Some of it could be, you know, Don Lemon kind of put not just his foot, but his entire leg down his throat, and he's out. Um, you had the whole kind of Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo. Mess, right? So, and you know, the, so these are, you know, this is sort of like bad behavior that and this happens and then people have to go. But I don't think you can really, you really can't pin that on Chris Licht, right? The, he wasn't there when this happened. These are sort of like behaviors and we have standards and okay, that's fine. That's gone. I think the meltdown that really started happening was last month when they had a... So so the article opens. Tim Alberta has been given like a lot of access to like a hundred different journalists at CNN and he's been talking to Licht for months and it's going to be this big piece because Licht is super hopeful. One thing he's super hopeful about, again, we've got Trump who is now the you know Republican front runner and he's like, look, we did not 
we didn't cover Trump right. The, the, the media just didn't cover Trump right. And we, we have a chance to redo. We can redo. And that's one of the things I really want to do. Great. Let's do new things. Let's do things in new ways. Um, you know, we know Trump is the great provocateur. And we know that he can, he, he, he has a way of tying up journalists in knots. So they're going to have this town hall. Oh, go can ahead. I you pause something? you for just sure. a second? Because sure. I had to look something up and I want to clarify for any listeners that might be wondering. Chris Licht, which by the way, I keep hearing is L-I-C-K-E-D and it's L-I-C-H-T, Licht. Yeah. Licht. Licht. Took over CNN in May of 2022 after the spinoff and merger of Warner Media into Discovery Inc. So I just wanted to let people yes. give have a little timeline of when he took over. It's about a year ago. Okay, my mistake. You didn't so, make a mistake. Oh, that's that's a that's an addendum. A clarification. We're just we're just we're 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 uh, offering more light on. Yeah, the, on, that's on right. This. Okay, more light on lift. because because we are illuminating. We're like kind of like a, an illuminating uh, moisturizer. What's that stuff you call the bee cream? Right? That stuff you put on before you put on makeup and it makes you glow. Anyway, just listeners. Just, Sorry, just, I'm stuck on the fact is does Licht mean light in German? It does. Yeah. So there so we see, go. See, look, Sarah, it's all it's all coming together. So in we're any done. Case, we're done. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everyone. Thanks Thank for you. become a paid subscriber. We love you. Um so He's going to have this town hall, and I understand, and I support this. I understand there are people like, don't you dare give, you know, you're platforming Trump. I think this is ridiculous. He is the Republican front runner. I don't care how you feel about him. You, you, if you are a media channel, you are going to cover. You're going to cover this. You're going to oh do yeah, it. I think and, it makes perfect uh, sense that they uh, had the t- the Trump town hall. I think there are some some questions about maybe how it was organized or or you know, moderated, but, right. but, right. you know, and, and we can quibble about that, but I think, you know, the idea that, I mean, this guy is, is the, the front runner for the Republican nomination and a former freaking president. Right. Of course you give him, that's fine. Now, I think what happened was what you could have predicted. They had, uh, uh, Caitlin Collins, who's perfectly smart and, and, you know, sharp and attractive and she's up there and, Trump does to her what he does to almost everybody. He immediately puts her in a defensive position. She kind of doesn't quite know how to respond, like to parry in a way that maybe will like wrong foot him a little or like get him to a place where you could take him to a new, you know, place, which Trump actually likes. He likes a competitor. What is that, 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 oh, that journalist, he did a really, really good um, uh, interview with Trump. Gosh, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting his name. Doesn't matter. Like he wants to compete. He likes and an adversary. He likes to be pushing against. Absolutely. Something. And Collins didn't really do that. So I'm going to get back to something about that in a little bit. So what happens? Apparently, uh, Tim Alberta is there when all of this is happening, and and Chris Licht comes. You know, after this uh, town hall is over, he comes out looking like he's gone. You know, nine rounds with Ali. Like he's just exhausted and things are not good because he realizes it is not it is not turned over any new earth. We are not getting someplace. We're in the same exact place or it feels that way with the way that the, the media covered Trump. And this is not like we want, God, please let us go to new places. But what happens? He is now... Already you've got people, and this is what I mean by the markers left by COVID or left by Trump. You've already got people in the building that are ready to be activated and angry. They're angry. They're still so 
goddamn angry about Trump that all of a sudden it's like, okay, Chris Licht, you came in here, you said you were going to change things, and we're in the exact same place. And do you realize where you're taking us? You're fucking driving this plane right into a mountain. And so it all starts fulminating. And here, here's the thing. Like, I don't know if all of this starts in Slack. To, to, every single thing I see where there's problem, it all starts in Slack. And I'm, so, I'm sure it's all, you know, the internal messaging system where people within the company talk to each other. And he is just now completely on the ropes and it becomes this massive story. It's not just in the Atlantic. The New York Times covered it today, The ins- or yesterday. The insider writes something bad. It's like, Chris licked on the ropes. It's like, wait, wh- why are the employees at CNN so angry? Why are they so angry? You don't like it? You don't think he's doing something great? Good. Come up with some new ideas. Like, let's let's do something new as opposed to just saying, this guy didn't deliver and now he's going to deliver us back into the hands of Trump and we're scared. And so he is now just going to be vilified. And I mean, it looks like he's just going to be taken down. They're just going to get, I mean, I don't know that. I'm not predicting that. But there's so much rage at him, including like the CNN newsletters they're talking about. Oh, I mean, how self-important is this? How many people watch cable news, Sarah? My dad, for one. My dad watches a lot of CNN, and he is really keeping those numbers up. He's well, keeping them afloat. Your dad is the average. Well, I don't, he's probably he's eighty two. I know he's eighty two okay. because of my correction. I had to offer right. So, so this you know the media lo- is completely navel gazing and narcissistic, and we're so you know goddamn important. And of course, we're not. I have something to say about that in a second. But you know, if it's like two million people, three million people, how many people people are in this country, Sarah? Two hundred eighty million. Um, it's just it's. It, you're not that important. And if you want to be important, then do something new than just attacking the person that didn't save you immediately from Trump. It just strikes me as very, very boring, very a paucity of ideas. I have to issue a correction. Another one. I'm the just current gonna... population of the United States is 336 million. Okay, 336 million. And I think CNN, the average viewership is something like 3 million, if that. I mean, this is nothing. I have to issue a correction. <laughs> um, in February 2023, CNN averaged 587,000 total primetime viewers, according to Nielsen data. Okay. And how many articles? That's not a lot. How many articles are there about this? The Atlantic, The New York Times, Insider. What, what is this? What are, you, what are you doing? So what I wanted to say... One thing. If if you're trying to save a cable network, you know, it might behoove you to open the door to half the country's population. Yeah, you'd think so. You would think you would have some respect. And and we know this because as journalists, especially, first of all, you live in Texas and I, you know, I travel for work. And I know real Republicans. I've seen them. So do I. And guess what? Most of them are just freaking lovely. And you just want to sit and have a meal with them and they care about their kids. And that's the way it is. Some of them are very polite. Oh, totally. We just, uh, I just spent um, the beginning of this uh, trip out West at the Knott's Berry Farm Hotel because they were- Stop bragging. I know. There were Amex points to be, so basically it was for- (laughs) It was the it was the competitive the competitive price of free, and uh, uh, and the people at this first everybody was really happy to be there like they've got their kids and everybody was just super polite and I will tell you that like 
in the in the elevator. So the guy's like, you know, don't mess with my Second Amendment right. He's got like a big, you know, rifle or gun on his shirt. And uh, oh, this like, is like the little enclave, the little cherry inside the blueberry pie of there California. We go. And then there were guys like, you know, uh, back the blue and everything. And everybody was sweet and polite and nice. And I know we disagree about certain things, but that's okay. That's okay. We can disagree about certain things. Anyway, Until they brought their fascist boots down on your face. They didn't. It's funny. Oh. They didn't. They oh. didn't. Um, okay. But what, who I would, I was, I was talking to Matt Walsh about this. I was like, you know who would have been great to, to interview Trump? Would you not love to see Michael Moynihan in 100%. that chair? Are you kidding me? Because that, oh, he would, that would be, he'd be dream. an adversary, right? He'd be an you adversary. You know what though? Moynihan wouldn't even return his emails. Oh, that's not true. I bet he would do it in one second. Okay. And it would be, and what would be really, really interesting for everybody, first of all, it'd be interesting for Trump, be interesting for Moynihan, it'd be interesting for the the 536,000 viewers at home, but it would also be interesting, interesting to the, you know, one thing that happened in that town hall that why they didn't expect this, I have no idea. I mean, it was just packed with rabid Trump fans because he was, you know, he just sits on stage and tosses them red meat. And they're just yeah, like, well, they the also like <laughs> plucked them out of a lottery of Trump yeah. fans. Yeah. They were like, hey, Trump fans. Super fans. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> right. I like, mean, come on. It was totally selected that way. Yeah. But, no, you're right. Moynihan would be incredible, but he's but a I, man. You forgot. He's a man. Nancy. Yeah. We're going to, I think we're going to get to some of that later in the, in the second part of this show. But, but, but I think what would also be actually quite interesting for everybody in this particular, you know, ecosphere is that the people in the audience who were super Trump fans would not know how to react when Moynihan started like digging in weird places and Trump would have to like come up with like new weird things to say. And so they'd be a little unseated and a little quiet, which would be interesting. And then that would also be interesting for the people that really don't like Trump because then it would be like, oh my God, I never thought of it this way. Like, I don't have to just hammer him constantly with January 6th. I can like go into a weird side door. It would just be more interesting. Anyway, I would- Yeah, if, by the way, if anybody doesn't know Michael Moynihan, um, he is, you know, one third of the fifth column, but he also has been, you know, a court, it was for many years, a correspondent on Vice News and did, has done, you know, just a collection of fascinating stories across the country on different um, political and cultural subsets. And and I loved this story that he did about Texas, where he went and interviewed a bunch of Trump supporters uh, on the border. And I thought it was really, like, I'm so primed to dislike stories about Texas by non-Texans. And I thought right. he did right. an exceptional job with that with that piece. He's just, you know, he's he's quicksilver-witted, deep historical knowledge, and also, you know, really non-combative. I mean, very able to kind of glide people in and out of, of questions that might be um, triggers. So that's why we're, we're, we're responding so enthusiastically to that idea. Um, I, he's also, I, I was out last night, um, with, so some people know I, I went and, um, visited with, uh, John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer before he was executed. And I went with one of his pen pals, a guy named Ricky Gaez. And I haven't seen Ricky in at least 20 years. And I went out last night in Hollywood and I, I saw Ricky and we hung out. It was great. And I found out this, uh, I mean, 
you can't take this to the bank, but they are making a movie about um, about Ricky and, and me and our trip. And do you want to hear the crazy name of this movie? Yeah. This so far. I yeah. can't believe they're going to do it. It's called Ricky and Nancy. No, stop it. I swear to God. Ricky told me this. I said, they're not going to do that. He's like, no, that's that's what they want to call it. So. Oh, it's so great. It's like Jack and Diane. <laughs> or, 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 or Bonnie Sid, and Clyde. Or Sid and Nancy, right? So <laughs> Who's going to play you? I don't know. I have no idea. But Ricky last night, he's like, we are getting cameos in that movie. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, we are. I was like, I want to be like, because um, we went to one of the things, we were in Menard, Illinois, which was where the max security prison was. And this bar was like, you know, there was a bartender, barmaid with a big boobs on the shirt that said, you know, fry the killer clown. I was like, I want to be the barmaid. That's fry the killer clown? Because Gacy was the clown. He dressed as, cl- as a clown and, um, and used to entertain children in children's hospital dressed as a clown. Pogo the clown. Okay. Oh, yeah, I know. It's this story's bananas. Um, and um, but yeah, so they had a picture of like Gacy as a clown and then Fry the Killer Clown because he was up for execution. He was executed. So um, but uh why was oh so, well, I was saying that because last night um Moynihan was on this hour-long news show they do. It might be a CNN. Alison Carada. It's like kind of like a little round table-y thing. I didn't see it. But apparently one thing that they did at the end just for fun is they looked up his and also the other panelists' Uber scores, how they had been scored by their <laughs> Uber drivers. And apparently Michael had some bad scores. <laughs> so I don't know. I didn't see it, but I was told I was told about it. So it's kind of funny. My Uber score got completely tanked one year at the State Fair of Texas because I was trying to pick up an Uber and all the streets were blockaded. And so it kept telling me to go places and then the Ubers couldn't get there and they would leave. And it was just like that scene in Black Mirror where the woman's watching her score just like tank. You know, the the Bryce Dallas Howard episode, the classic social network episode of, of Black Mirror. And I was just, that's all I've ever done. All I've ever done wrong. But it, but it scarred me. The State Fair of Texas giveth and she take and she taketh and she, wait, wait. She gives something and then she takes something. Yeah. What, that's, did, that's the line. Did she give you like a big, like <laughs> a pride? Hickey. A hickey. She gave me a hickey. Oh, Oh, I'm going to mention something I listened to yesterday. Speaking of hickeys, I don't. Don't you look at my neck? Oh no, you do have a you have a thing on your chest. It's a birthmark. I know, I know, I know it's, it's a birthmark, 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 but it yeah. looks like a hickey. Yeah, I used to have when I was you know younger, and the boys were all flapping around. Uh, they'd be like, <laughs> "Suck it on your neck." No, they'd be like, "Hey, what's that? Where did you get that from?" Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Relax, get out of here. Um, okay, so the other story I wanted to mention, and it's funny because I told you about it, and you're like, "Oh my god, I was reading that." Um, is a story that was in the I think it published on the New Yorker. Well, it was yesterday, as a matter of fact. And it's called, Is It Possible to Be Both Moderate and Anti-Woke? Um, it's by Emma Green. And it is about an organization that um, Barry Weiss and some other people were uh, instrumental in starting a couple of years ago called FAIR. What does FAIR stand for, Sarah? The Foundation for... Uh, I don't know. Intolerance and Racism was the original title, and then it changed to... Well, 
you know, I should really look that up because I'm, I'm freedom fear. of the artists Damn. to interrogate. Oh, good. Keep going while we look Republican. Yeah, there it is. It is um, the foundation against intolerism, intolerance, and racism. I have that intolerance and racism. Okay, so you're better than me. Anyway, because uh, so, I believe in freedom. Well, hello. Um, so I had heard that this article was coming out because I know people involved uh, in it. I know Barry Weiss and and, and some other people. I, uh, Camille Foster was on the board for a while. So we knew this was coming out. And I think there was some sense that it might be a hit piece, um, which you can kind of, I mean, the title kind of is leading you somewhere, isn't it? What, what's the title again? Uh, is it possible to be both moderate and anti-woke? Um, anyway, I read the piece and I, I, I want to just preface this by saying I've met Emma Green. Uh, she's a young writer, lives, I believe she lives in New York City. She's very nice. I find her to be bright and interesting. And I found the piece to be boring and... Um, I just didn't see the point, except that it struck me as similar to the Chris Licht piece. It, it seemed to me to be inspired by people that are continually angry at the, in scare quotes, other side. Both sidesism. This is classic both, both sidesism. Yes. yes. Um, can I also clarify or just add, this is not a correction, this is an addition. Please. It's an additional illumination. Uh, that The subhead was also tugging us toward a bad ending because it says a small mo- nonprofit launched by the journalist Barry Weiss devolves into tribalism. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so this, you're exactly right. These are stemming from the same kind of larger cultural narrative that you can't, you have to pick a side. There is no in-between here. There is no both sides. You're for us or you're against us. And if you try to exist in the middle ground, you will ruin everything. First of all, I'm like, okay, you know, the New Yorker, august publication, and we know where it leans. It leans, that's fine. That's, we know that. That's great. But, I mean, you've read some of the best journalism of your life in The New Yorker. And they are hopefully addressing issues in interesting ways, unearthing things that you would not really even know about. You're impressed by it. It's just, it's challenging you and it's illuminating and it's expansive. Okay. I don't know. Have you ever read a a police report, Sarah, like a fat one? For sure. Okay. So the really cool thing about police reports, if you're a journalist, um, and like you're writing from a police report, is they're oh, yeah. great because they're like TikToks. It's like, okay, 1236, 1239, 105. And you can take these points and then like, you know, you can create this really interesting narrative to which of course you're also adding other things. I am sorry, this this piece to me read like a police report without any of the sort of like, opening up and epiphonic and here's why we're here. And let me introduce something like really that you might not have thought about. For instance, for instance, 
There is an organization called FIRE, right? I know, and I always confuse FAIR and FIRE. Well, we shouldn't, because FIRE is like just doing this incredibly noble and important and necessary work. They've sort of like come in where, you know, where the ACLU has fallen down. And FIRE stands for... This is so bad. I did this last time. I forgot. Free interrogation. No, the Foundation for Individual... Rights and expression, God, education, I, or something I, like that. No, it's it, it it's expression. It used to be it used to be uh, that it used to be education, but they expanded it. And I'm I'm like literally, my friends are never going to talk. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. So I actually yeah, that's get that what it right. is. And we we screwed it up last time. And, yeah, I did. But, but can I say <clears throat> that in the setup yes. for this, I was like, oh, is this that gala that Nancy went to? It is. And then, no, 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 fair. Oh, oh no, fair is not. Yeah, it was and then fire and then they were like setting it up, and they were like they positioned themselves as being an alternative to ACLU, and I was like, oh, good, it is the same one. And then as I was reading, I was like, oh no, it's not. Fair and fire are different things. Ah. So I would just so it's I, it's actually it's not even that interesting. Look. People have ideas, especially when we were going through these crazy culture wars, especially as media was melting down and Substack was starting and people were going off and starting their own things. Some things you start and they completely blossom and bloom like Barry Weiss's, you know, with the... With the free press. Uh, with free press and, and, and honestly and all these things. And some don't. I mean, I started, I started Paloma Media with Matt Welch. It doesn't really exist anymore. So what? Who cares? Like you go and you do things. This was something that started up with some noble ideas that seemed necessary and you picked some people you were going to do it with and then things shifted and then maybe people didn't do things so well and then there's kind of some chaos and meltdown and boom, it doesn't, it, do, it isn't the thing that you thought it was going to be. Wow, shocker. Has anybody here that's listening to this like started a job or a relationship that you thought was going to be one thing and then it wasn't? The problem I have with the piece is that it's sort of, you know, it goes through how this happened, and then like it's just a big blur. And to not mention Fire, which is this just completely dynamic organization that is also kind of doing this work. Maybe you it's bring it on some, fire. You know, I just found it to be. I just found it to be just unbelievably dull. Like, why are we spending spending our time here? I just didn't. It yeah, just wasn't. It was. That you, yeah, it's interesting though that you put these two things together though, because I do think the message from the legacy media is, you know, they want, it's almost like when the conservatives like to tell those stories of like, go woke, go broke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Bud Lights, uh, you know, has a sponsorship deal with Dylan Mulvaney. Their, their, talk, their stock prices tank. Mm-hmm. And they tell that story again and again. And, you know, it does seem like legacy media is, is telling this story of like, play to the center, you lose all sides. I just, I'm just so, I'm just, there's so much opportunity here to say new things and to do new things and to like, let, let, if we, as opposed to just, again, to being tribal, to like trying to get the other guy. It's just so dull. And this just was not, I just didn't bring it. I just did not see the point of the story. It just seemed, again, like, uh, like they pre-decided who the, you know, who the, I don't even, I think villains is even too strong a word. There weren't even villains here. It was just like, oh, so this person didn't do a job, such a great job. And we don't really think that their mission's that great anyway. So, okay. Yeah, I wonder, <clears throat> I do wonder what's going to happen. <coughs> wow. I do wonder what's going to happen with CNN. Not, I mean, <coughs> sorry, I did one of those things where 
I got excited and I breathed in. Breathed and then in my, spit. my spit was like, came with the yeah. breath. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you save cable news at this point. I don't know how you make it interesting to a younger generation of people that have turned away from that medium at a time when alternate medium media is proliferating. You know, not only do you have shows like The Young Turks or uh, what's it called? Turning Points with Sagar and Crystal. Is it called Turning Points? I don't know. Yeah, something. I know, it's a YouTube show. It's good. Um, but you know, you you have like whenever I talk to young people, where do you get their news? They're always like, oh, I don't know. I just get it on Twitter or TikTok. Or, or they don't or think of chat. Or they, like, don't, they don't think of news the way we do. You know, it's just not the same sort of. You know, we used to maybe we're eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Well, we don't eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner anymore. We just get we. You know, we snack here and there, and that's how. And oh and who my knows? God, what, like what? the institutions of our meals have crumbled as well. Well, I mean. I'm just using, I'm just like making a comparison. Yeah, because I'm right? intermittent fasting personally. I'm going to, to I'm going to try to go oh. to two meals a day, I think. I want to talk to you about this. That's interesting. And I think our listeners have followed a little bit along with your, you know, trying to figure out some ways to be healthier and sleep more. So, I, by what, the way, what? I slept till 6.30 this morning. Girl, so listeners, you should know this girl is, gets up usually at like one o'clock in the morning, which is weird. And even her doctor's like, girl, you got you to gotta stop this. This is, you're messing up your clock and things are bad for your hormones and the light and the cycles and all this stuff. And you got to stop doing that. I'm going to put a link, and I haven't finished listening to it, but um, Barry Weiss, um, who is a good friend of mine. So if I mention her, it's because I love her. Um, even though she had that, Fa- she started that failed, yeah, that failed experiment. How, how dare fair. you know? How dare anyone ever fail at anything? I gotta say, like putting her. Oh my gosh, putting her name in the um in the subhead and stuff. People just have a, like a tremendous Schadenfreude with her. Tremendous. Oh, I'm, I'm, they really just, want. Okay, to see I'm her just good gonna now. call the whole episode. But episode, I love you, Barry. That's just it. I don't care. Uh, um. She had an episode, and I'm going to forget the guy's name is Dr. Atia Atria, and he was talking about um, longevity, like how to live a longer, healthy life. And it Eat was less. three things that you really need to do. There are three things. And one is sleep. You need to sleep. You need to do it, and you need to create an environment where you're going to, which is conducive to sleep. And that is a dark room without your phone next to you and kept cool. It's like, cool. All right. So that's kind of easy to do. Like, you know, it's hard to diet. It's hard to start exercising regularly, but you can do that. You can just say, you know what? I'm leaving my phone in the other room. I'm going to keep the heat down or keep a fan on or something and keep it dark. Like, boom, you could do that today. And I, I kind of do that anyway. So that's number one. Number two is exercise. It's got to be at least you start with three hours a week and walking doesn't count. You can also walk if you want. Walking is not exercise. Walking is not exercise. So his, I'm going to put a link to it because I'm not going to remember it all exactly, but it was um, 90 minutes of that exercise. And you could split this up, obviously, during you know different amounts of days and stuff. Uh, should be where you're working to like your second level capacity. Like you, 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 it takes a little effort to talk through your exercise. Like, so you'd be running slowly or on a cycle or some a treadmill or something. And then the other are like three different kind of, um, Strength training things. It's like, that's it. And that's you where you start. 
Like that's not where you finish. He's like, once you get your three hours a week, then we're going to start talking about how we up that. Uh, and then the third was was dieting. And what he said was interesting. We did talk about Ozempic. And Barry admitted that she has either tried or is trying Ozempic and it mm. works. But also what are the long-term effects? And one thing I had not heard about, which maybe you did, is it ups your heart rate by 10 beats a minute. Oh, that makes sense because you're increasing your metabolism. But that's a lot. Oh, sure. That is a lot. Just think about it. If you're, you know, you're working something, if your heartbeat is 60 beats a minute, usually, I think that's pretty average and it's going to 70, you're working that, you're working that machine harder. And that's not great. Like you want your heart, you want your resting heart rate to be low. That's then, and you get that with exercise. Um, But he also said about, about calories um, and he used to be a big intermittent faster. So you should listen to this episode. It's really interesting. He's, it's really sound advice. Um, he said it's calories in, calories out. It doesn't matter. He's like, if, if Nancy eats, her, her diet all day is 1,500 calories worth of uh, Rice Krispie treats and Sarah's is 2,500 calories worth yeah. of meat and vegetables yeah. and good food, I'm going to lose weight faster. Because you're going to feel more satisfied, but I'm going to lose weight faster because a calorie is a calorie is a calorie. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I've always known that. And it's been really interesting to watch the entire industry kind of pivot and dance and, and, and obfuscate around this idea that is really simple math for most people. Yeah. Now, now the people that really drill down into this will tell you things about, okay, well, there's also hormone levels or there's also, the, the, you know, not every calorie is created equally. In other words, one of the reasons why low sugar diets are really useful and helpful is because sugar tends to spike insulin that creates yeah. hunger. So it's easier to go on those low calorie diets when you have, uh, you know, fat and, you know, protein, protein really is yes. the thing. Yeah. Um, so, so not every calorie is created equal for e- each person. There is a certain individuation, but, but honestly, all of that is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's footnotes to the big story, which is, yes, of course, calories in, calories out. That's the way it works. Um, and one of the things, and, and intermittent fasting is an interesting thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying it. It's, it was tricky for me when I was waking up at two in the morning, um, just because it, it By created six- a very, very long time in the morning where I couldn't eat. Um, and and so I'm starting to wake up at 5.30 and 6.30. By the way, that acupuncturist that I saw in New York, the mm. one that we love so much. Yep, yep. She's amazing. She gave me a Chinese herb that I was like reluctant to try. I was trying all these. To be honest, I was trying all these other things. Like there's a magnesium supplement that you can take. There are time-release melatonin tablets. None of that was working. And they, and they were working quite badly. And I tried this Chinese herbal supplement that I take before dinner. It tastes kind of like a weird herbal broth. That they always do. Chinese herbs always kind of have it's, that like taste. They're, they're like, it's like not quite chicken noodle soup. It's sort of like, it's like if somebody took my garden and made it an aperitif. It's kind of like got a slight dirt taste. It's dirt. It tastes yeah. like dirt, yeah. but not yeah. terrible. Yeah. Like yeah. every time I drink it, I'm like, that's not terrible. It's not good either. It's like dirt plus anise or yeah. something. Yeah. 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 I'm drinking my garden. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this thing, it's it's helping my yin. 
My yin was low, Nancy. Well, I don't, I don't know. What that I is. know you hadn't told me because you didn't want me to feel bad that my I, yin I, was so low. We've all been trying to keep that from you, Sarah. It's I know. Like, it's like, it's like tell, not telling kids about Santa Claus. It's like, don't tell Sarah about the yin. Don't, don't tell don't her do that it. her yang is but, out of whack and her to, yin is really teensy tiny. I don't know what, what she, they are. I don't either. So, that's why okay. I'm kind of making a joke about <laughs> so, it. But you know, yin and yang, they're basically the two yeah, things yeah, yeah. that I don't know out. what is what. Yang is your masculine energy and yin is your feminine energy. That is probably a reduction of what it is. Um, but anyway, my yin was low. Oh. And so we're building out my yin and it's really helping. It's hot. hot. It's, it's so hot. hot to get a bigger <laughs> yin. Look at my yin, boys. Ooh. Ooh. Um, speaking of yin and, and feminine, uh, power, I think we have something to talk about and I think we're going to have fun with it. Don't you, Sarah? I do. I do. There was, um, there was a review in the New York times over the weekend of a new show at the Brooklyn museum by the comedian storyteller, Hannah Gadsby. Um, I should say it's, it's done in collaboration with her. Uh, she did a 2018 Netflix special that got very popular around the time of the early pandemic called Nanette. Nanette. For reasons I cannot remember. Me neither. Nanette is somebody. Yeah. And, uh... You know, one of the things that she takes aim at in, I don't know, what what did you think of Nanette, by the way? So it was one of those things that, you know, was floating around, you you know, there's think pieces about it, you know, I had, I didn't really have a big interest in seeing it, not, I didn't have an f- interest in not seeing it or no interest in seeing it, I just didn't get, and then a friend of mine who I really love, um, she's like, you gotta see, you gotta see, you gotta see, it means a lot. I watched it, um, I, I was pretty lukewarm, um, I also... As we know, we've discussed on this show, I'm just not real big on someone like spending half an hour, you know, wringing out their their pain and their accusations and that and that. And it certainly wasn't comedy. I mean, I guess she kind of started the, there was like some comic element. Hello, Smoker. We've got them, listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our Oh, I don't know. Bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Hepla. Sarah Hepla, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks. <laughs> 